Welcome to Mock 10 Sports in this February 21st, 2023 episode. We're only getting closer to March, March Madness, and each game is becoming more important. And this past weekend was proof of that on the hardwood. With that being said, we will review the weekend, and I will do a segment, a little feature here, in or out, featuring the SEC teams that are on the bubble, still in the conversation, have some work to do from an NCAA tournament resume standpoint. Who gets in? Who gets out? And in the last two weeks of regular season, we will get to that. It was also opening weekend, the 2023 SEC baseball season. I'll give you what happened around the diamond, my thoughts from week one. And then but we, will go, we will also get into an article from Sports Illustrated that was written by Ross Dellinger, who joined the show here, here with us at Mockton Sports back in the fall to talk a little playoff action, if you remember that one. But Ross Dellinger discusses college football execs considering four changes that will help shorten college football games. We'll get to that in just a minute. But first, as you know, it's Tip of the Cap Tuesday, and this Tuesday goes to the XFL. Hey, we aren't going to talk much about the XFL here. We're an SEC podcast, football, basketball, baseball. But I thought it was a successful opening weekend. Games were close, and the broadcasting quality was well done. They've also had some rules that I like in the spring league that I wouldn't necessarily like in regular games during my fall football season. But I kind of like the changes of the 4th and 15 instead of an onside kick. So if you convert just what happened in the uh, St. Louis game with A.J. McCarron at quarterback, they they had an option of 4th and 15 or kicking onside kick. They took the 4th 15, they converted it, went on to score, won the game. Different ways you can one, two, three-pointer. Just it's a little interactive, it's fun, uh, a little different. Well, it was staying, I don't know, but I thought it was a great weekend overall. They got really good broadcasting teams. They do a good job, good quality. I think, in my opinion, in this first weekend, it was, in, it was a, as good as a first weekend as any spring league you can imagine. USL, USFL was pretty good last year. I thought this one was better. Now, can they sustain it? It's a great question, but I thought the first weekend, like I said, very entertaining. Tip of my cap to them. But let's get into this article that was written by one of our buddies, Ross Dellinger here. Uh, college football, it's on SI. College football is considering four major rule changes here. A quote, executives of the sport are moving closer to recommending several clock management changes meant to reduce plays for both safety and game lengths. Um, according to Delger, there are four rules changes being considered. Um, one, the first one, about three of them are really non-controversial. I think everybody kind of agrees. The fourth one we'll get to in a minute. Everyone kind of gets uh, real bothered with. But the non-controversial proposals are prohibiting consecutive timeouts. Uh, example, icing the kicker. If you have two timeouts, you call it back-to-back. Can't do that, they're, they're, which that's fine. You call it one time, you think you've done your job. Number two, no longer extending a first or third quarter for an untimed down if the quarter ends on a defensive penalty. Taking away that. Um, and then in a third pro- proposal that's gaining wide support, the clock will continue to run after an offensive gains, after an offensive gains a first down, except inside of two minutes and a half. I think everybody's fine with that. But the more controversial fourth proposal, the clock will continue to run after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. The NFL doesn't need to do this. My point in bringing this up, it was widely discussed today. Let's just, the NFL does it in these windows. I think I saw the average college football game was three hours, 15 minutes. I mean, it, it's really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but I get it. You're trying to get that little niche of an extra audience who's, hey, people, there's more things to do in today's era. People are more plugged into their phone. If you live into a big, live in a big city, not in the southeast, you, there's a lot more options to do in your weekend. And if it's taking three and a half hours, three hours and 45 minutes, people don't really want to deal with that. They feel like they have other stuff to do. Even 15, 20 minutes doesn't really matter to most or the diehards that watch college football. The casuals, as some would say, really probably – 
want to get that to their workout an extra 15, 20 minutes early. I don't know, somebody at dinner, I don't know, drinks with friends. They're, they're just kind of a casual fan of their alum, uh, their alma mater. But it needs to be the NFL model. NFL's got it from 1 to pretty 3.15, right, or 4.15 right on the dot from an Eastern time standpoint. If you're in the Central time zone, it goes from 12 to 3.15. Pretty tight window, and they end up fitting them all in, granted, if, unless someone goes overtime. So we need to take, a, to take a look at what the NFL does to fit into their TV windows because they do a really good job of fitting it in and it's one of the and it's gains popularity every year and i think honestly some of it not a lot has to do with like hey i know when i turn my game on whether i'm in eastern central time zone at one or 12 i'm gonna be locked in here to the saints game in about three three hours and 15 minutes then i can go do my thing that's not me personally but i could i could see someone thinking that just want to bring it up i think we need to go to the nfl model sooner rather than later but hey it's just one man's opinion but out here i'm just trying to help college football but flipping sports, we're going to college basketball. Saturday scores around the league in the SEC. Kentucky, critical 66-54 win over Tennessee at Rupp Arena. Get the Cats get the season sweep in a big resume-building win. Chris Livingston, in my opinion, was the difference here, logging 37 minutes with 12 points and 10 boards. Even Rick Barnes had a little fun with Coach Cow with his postgame quote. Quote, I think he had some good plays, and I thought he was cut back, cutting and moving, Barnes said after the game. He gets a double-double. I'm not sure what Cal was thinking earlier in the year. I mean, 12 and 10 is a pretty good night. Now, Barnes was jabbing, messing with him. He even said later on in the article that he was like, hey, people could say that about uh, Meshack with me. So, funny thought there. But big week for Big Blues. They went 2-0 and against two good basketball teams, getting a win at Mississippi State and against Tennessee for the season sweep. Tennessee just can't be trusted right now. They play with great effort and intensity against Alabama, but for whatever reason, it didn't travel to Lexington. The lack of offensive production is just too alarming for me to even consider this team getting out of the Sweet 16 right now. Jemai Meshek, who is usually just a defensive ninja for him out there, does one of their better defenders, put up 16 points and was kind of their only offense, consistent offense in the first half when they were down 20. Uh, he finished second scoring for Tennessee. I think Santiago Vescovi uh, led them in scoring on Saturday, but that's not very comforting if I'm cheering for the balls. If uh, Jemai Meshack is leading, is my second leading scorer in a game against a good team. Another stat that stuck out was Tennessee was only shot 28% from the free throw line, four for 14. Another challenging game awaits the balls this week as they travel to Reed Arena to play te- to play set to play second place Texas A&M. They really need this win. They're they're slowly st- starting to drop, not for their NCAA tournament lives. Tennessee's a lock in, but getting that three. Uh, Three line, maybe pushing four line standpoint. Tennessee, Tennessee needs a win um, tomorrow and two or today. Sorry, today for Tuesday's game. Um, moving on, speaking of Texas A&M, nice road win for Texas A&M, getting the win 69-60 at Missouri to stay in the SEC regular season race. Guards Wade Taylor at 21, Dexter Dennis 17, Tyrese Radford 12. They all led A&M in scoring, while Missouri's Kobe Brown at 24, Demoy Hodge 12. They also reached double figures, but Wade Taylor named SEC Player of the Week on Monday and is playing his best basketball. He scored 18 points and four assists in his last four games during this five-game win streak for the Ags. A&M controlled most of this game. Dexter Dennis and Anderson Garcia were both huge in stopping a potent Missouri offense who ranked 18th nationally coming into this game in scoring offense and 36 in field goal percentage. Missouri was, was averaging 80 points per game. A&M is playing really well right now. As you can tell, Missouri was averaging 80 points. A&M held them to 60. Great job defensively. Buzz Williams teams always play hard. A&M, like I said, playing really well. Glad to see them ranked coming in at 25th this week. A&M, each week, kind of hanging around there, kind of 
their goal should be to make that Alabama game for the SEC championship. Again, they got Tennessee this week. We'll get into the schedule in a minute. I'm getting off top of it. We'll get in because they're a part of who's in, who's out. We'll go through their last four games. We'll talk about the Ags here in a minute. But moving to Nashville, Memorial Coliseum, Vandy again. It's a buzzer-beating win at home. Vandy stuns Auburn on a 67-65 buzzer beater as time expired. Vandy is playing good basketball right now and have won five straight. Liam Robbins coming back has been a big addition. Not saying Vandy will get in the tournament, but there's a path. They could win at LSU. It's a must-win. Win at LSU. Beat Florida. Win at Kentucky. Beat Mississippi State at home. Maybe win a couple in Nashville, get to the championship on Sunday. You could be talking about the Vanderbilt Commodores. But again, though, the tournament, the committee showed us they don't really care what you do if you go on a long run in the tournament. A&M was proof of that last year. But honestly, this was a good basketball game, and Auburn just continues to lose close games on the road. I don't think Auburn just absolutely plays terrible. They don't. Uh, they rarely, they don't really ever get blown out much. They just don't close. And it goes back to guard, consistent guard play. That was part of their problem last year. Vandy shot 17 more free throws uh, than Auburn. And the big discrepancy you're going to hear, especially from probably Auburn people, is Liam Robbins went for 24 points and was 3 and 10 from the field. Let that sink in. 24 points and 3 and 10 from the field. But he shot 20 free throws and made 17 of them. So, uh, like I said, Vandy set, made, shot 17 more for those. But my thing that I don't feel for Auburn in this standpoint is Auburn just can't guard without fouling. It's been a consistent trade, especially them on the road. Just an inc- just a consistent theme. That's who they are right now. They struggle to guard, uh, especially in the road, without fouling. And obviously, in the when you're a road team, you got to expect you're gonna, the home team is going to get some more free throws than you naturally. Uh, Auburn still has some work to do, in my opinion. They don't want to finish this last four, uh, these last four games in league play, one and three. They need to go two and two. Obviously, beat Ole Miss, but they need to get one of those last three of at Kentucky, at Alabama, and Tennessee at home. Uh, Alabama getting the dominant 108-59 win over Georgia on Saturday afternoon. This just has become a normal after a loss for Alabama. Bama bounces back after a disappointing loss with a dominant performance against the next opponent. Brandon Miller and Mark Sears were both great. Miller doing Brandon Miller doing Brandon Miller things for 21 points. Sears going for 17. The guy who stepped up in this one, though, was Nick Pringle, who picked up some more minutes with Charles Bediaco being banged up and compiling 19 points in 21 minutes with 12 boards. Pringle's role should increase as we get closer to March. He's an explosive athlete that just embraces his role as an energy rebound guy. You need guys like that. The Tide has an interesting week as it goes to South Carolina and gets an Arkansas team at home that feels like it still has its best game in them. But an interesting quote here from Mike White after the game, Mike White, Georgia's coach. Quote, I think it'll be hard to forget about this one, to be honest with you. When you have something like this to happen, I haven't been a part of something like this. I did a very poor job, obviously, preparing our guys. We looked rattled from the tip. Alabama's obviously a better basketball team than we are. They were terrific. As good of an offensive team as I've seen live or competed against in our league that I can remember. That said, we didn't help ourselves. They didn't play a team they didn't play a team that defended at a high level today, obviously. We won't watch much of it. We've got a quick turnaround to play another team on the road in this league in a hostile environment that is very, very good. And after the first few minutes of the game, obviously it was we were out of character. That had obviously a ton to do with how good these guys are. So essentially, wave the white flag. I mean, Mike, Mike White, if you remember, he came over from Florida. He's been in the league for a while. For him to say this was Alabama's best offense they've see, he's seen in this league, something to be said. Um, but Bama, which was a dominant win. Other scores around the league on Saturday, Mississippi State getting a must win. So the bubble barely did not pop. There was a little pin flying right into that bubble uh, at about around 4.30 on Saturday afternoon in Oxford, Mississippi. But Mississippi State gets the 69-61 win in OT. A little lethargic Mississippi State performance. I don't understand why. It just kind of felt that way. Um, Mississippi State is going to have to bring it these next two games at Missouri and A&M at home. Two feisty teams. They need to get one of them. Uh, Arkansas gets a win 
a home win against a shorthanded Florida team, 84-65. Uh, Arkansas feel like it still has their best game left in them. They can't be losing many more games. They have some work to do. We'll talk about that. Florida shorthanded without their best player, Colin Castleton, who broke his hand. Most likely out for the season. Florida's a totally different team without him. And South Carolina in the battle of the cellar dweller gets the road win over LSU 82-73. LSU looking like they're going to finish 14th in the league. Let's flip over to the standings. Speaking of the standings right now, we got Alabama at 13-1 in conference. Texas A&M at 12-2 at second. We got tied for third, but the tiebreaker if we're going to the SEC tournament right now with Tennessee at 9-5, Kentucky 9-5. Kentucky would get that tiebreaker. They'd be third, Tennessee fourth. Auburn and Vanderbilt tied at eight and six. Missouri tied with two other teams, Arkansas and Florida, seven and seven. Mississippi State and Georgia, both Bulldogs, tied at six and eight. South Carolina sitting at three and eleven. Ole Miss two and twelve, and LSU one and thirteen. Uh, that's the standings as we stand right now, heading with four games left. we got this midweek game, this upcoming weekend, another midweek game in the last weekend. And then we're heading to Nashville for the SEC tournament. Should be a fun one. But let's get speaking of fun, let's get into this segment. In and out, I brought up the net rankings, overall record, conference record. We're going to talk about the four games remaining for these teams. Starting off with Auburn, who is 30th in the net rankings. Auburn right now is currently pulling up the schedule. Auburn right now is currently 18 and 9 overall with an 8 and 6 conference record. Um, their last four games right here are Ole Miss on Wednesday at home, at Kentucky, at Alabama, and Tennessee at home. I think Auburn's going to go 2-2 two and two here. Uh, they have to go 2-2, two and two, I feel like, to feel good going into the conference tournament. Ole Miss is a must win. They lose that. All cards are off the table. I think their best shot to win is Tennessee at home in the last game on Saturday, March 4th of the conference season. I don't see them going to win at Rupp, and I don't see them winning in Alabama. But they need one of those three of Kentucky, Alabama, or Tennessee. I think they go 2-2. Two and two. I think Auburn's going to ultimately get in, sitting at 30th in net right now. Kentucky sitting at 35th in net. 18 and 9 overall, 9 and 5 in the SEC. Uh, I think they're going to go 3 and 1 down the stretch with their one loss being to Arkansas. I'll pull up their schedule for you right now. And again, this is all a little flexible. Like Ole Miss, Auburn loses to Ole Miss, all things are off the table. But speaking of Kentucky, at Florida this week, Auburn at home on Saturday, Vanderbilt at home, and at Arkansas. I think Kentucky's going to go 3 and 1 in that stretch. They're going to go three and one. Um, I think they ultimately get in. I think that sweeping Tennessee is going to really carry them over when they're in these, when the committees in these uh, conversations, these meetings talking about Kentucky. I think that's really going to help Kentucky. That's one thing they can hang their hat on there from that standpoint. Moving to Texas A&M, 28th in net rankings, 20 and seven overall, rough non-conference slate, uh, 12 and two though. They made up for it in conference, obviously. Their last four games of the year. They have Tennessee midweek at home this week. Big game for both teams. It feels like A&M's just trying to win to match Alabama so they have a chance. Uh, they either need to win out before they play Alabama or hope Alabama drops one or either probably Arkansas or um, Auburn at home because I don't think Arkansas, Alabama's going to lose to South Carolina this midweek. But, uh, like I said, A&M, Tennessee at home, atmosphere state, tricky one, at Ole Miss should be a win, and then Alabama to wrap up the season would be an interesting showdown. Uh, if that if it comes down to the last weekend, Saturday, March fourth, to determine who the conference champion is going to be, uh, it would be interesting. I personally don't think it gets that, but I think A and M wins enough. I think they're two and two down the stretch with losses to Alabama and Tennessee, uh, both home losses coincidentally. But I think they get on the. I think they get the two road wins at Mississippi State and at Ole Miss against the two Mississippi schools. Arkansas coming in nineteenth in the net rankings, eighteen and nine overall, seven and seven in the SEC. 
Uh, I think the Razorbacks here down the stretch, flipping over to them, I think they're going to go. They got Georgia at home, should be a win. At Alabama, I think it's a loss. At Tennessee, I think it's a loss. But I think they get Kentucky at home to end the year. I think they're going to go 2-2. Two and two. I think Arkansas's net so high. They had a pretty good non-conference slate, uh, especially out in Maui. I think they did good enough there. Uh, I think Arkansas is going to sneak in. And then finally, Mississippi State coming in 43rd in net, 18-9 and overall, 6-8 and in the league right now. Uh, let's flip over to the Bulldogs' schedule. So we got Mississippi State, last four in every game is big for Mississippi State down the stretch here. At Missouri and Texas A&M, let's stop those two right there. They need to win one of those. One of those has to be a win for me. Uh, and then South Carolina at home, they should win that. Then at Vandy, a tricky game there. Vandy will still be fighting. I think they'll finish one and three, getting their only win against South Carolina. I think they'll drop. Uh, I think they'll drop the at Missouri, A&M, and at Vandy game. I don't trust them getting one of those two, but that's what they're going to need. Just didn't see a real – they looked tired when they played Ole Miss. I know they won in overtime and a win to win. They look tired. They're going to have to continue to bring that energy every night, though, because they're in the bubble. They're, fir- they're, they're in that first team in group. Uh, they really need to win, split those Missouri uh, A&M matchups, but I don't think they do it. I think they finish one and three. Not a believer. I think they're going to get out, and that leaves seven SEC teams, I think, that are ultimately going to get in. It's easier to start figuring it out, so we start wiping the weeks away, but I think the SEC right now, I'm on record saying I think they get seven in, and I can tell you right now, again, just going through it, the seven I think get in, Alabama, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, Missouri and Arkansas, I think, get in. The Vanderbilt and uh, Mississippi State, I think, are not going to get in with Mississippi State having the best chance. Now, right now, if the tournament ended, Mississippi State's in. I just said, I saw a tired team. Don't think they do it. Uh, Florida without Castleton, they had a shot probably about a week and a half, two weeks ago, depending on how they finish. Uh, not going to do it. Previewing this week on the hardwood, starting with Tuesday night. Here we go. Tennessee at Texas A&M, the biggest game of the week of the midweek. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip on ESPN. Uh, I think Tennessee gets this win. I really do. A&M, I think, has been playing really well, but Tennessee needs this. And remember what I said. I usually say desperate teams in February at home. I think this is we're going to be seeing a desperate just Tennessee team in general that's going to come in with their hair on fire, needing a win at A&M. Something just tells me they get it. Uh, another game tomorrow, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Mississippi State at Missouri, SEC Network. The best two matchups of the night going on at this or the week going on at the same time, 6 p.m. on Tuesday, Mississippi State at Missouri on the SEC Network. I think Missouri gets this done. Like I said, Mississippi State looks like a tired team. Missouri wants to bounce back after that A&M loss. And Missouri's been good at home. Before they lost A&M, their only two losses were to Alabama and Kansas. So I like Missouri here. And then 8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Georgia at Arkansas on the SEC Network. Musselman's came out and said every game left is a Super Bowl for them. Every one of them, they should get this one against a struggling Georgia team down the stretch before they head for a big opportunity game at Alabama and Coleman Coliseum on Saturday. Moving to Wednesday night's matchups, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Tip Vanderbilt at LSU on the SEC Network. Uh, Vandy should go be able to go get this in Baton Rouge. They have to have it if they want to get their continue their uh, tournament chase, which is a long shot in the first place. But I think they win. Then 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Kentucky at Florida on ESPN. Colin Castleton had a great game in the first game at Rupp a week and a half ago. Kentucky, I think, wins this game without Colin being out with his broken hand. Even though it's at Florida, I like Kentucky here. 8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip, Alabama at South Carolina on ESPN2. I like Alabama here. South Carolina's taking some whippings at home this year. Uh, See something similar. 
8 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone, Ole Miss at Auburn, SEC Network. Auburn cannot lose this. They're on that watch. This would be an awful loss that would put them on the other side of the bubble right now. They're in. They have some work to do. Cannot lose this. I think Auburn gets the win at home, uh, gets the win at home in the season sweep over the Ole Miss Rebels. Good midweek matchups. Remember, the best two, in my opinion, are on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, Tennessee at Texas A&M at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone on ESPN. Kind of the big Monday or Super Tuesday game. And then the 6 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone tip-off. Mississippi State at Missouri SEC Network. Those two games have the most implications, conference uh, implications, regards to anything else this midweek. That's a, that's the SEC basketball uh, week in itself. Um, moving on, though. But first, before I say that, let me just transition here and tell you this is one of my favorite times of the year. Basketball season's getting close to March. Every game, I mean, every game matters, but every game's starting to like magnify. And you can see, hey, you lose this, oh, we may go down this rabbit hole or a hole. We win this, we can go get this seed. Essentially, I'm saying every game has big implications now, and college baseball is starting to heat up. And with that being said, it was opening weekend of the 2023 college baseball season, and every team in the SEC was in action. Just some initial thoughts from the weekend, but keep in mind. Some teams like Tennessee, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri went out and played quality competition. Same could be said for Auburn. They played one of the better traditional blue buds from the Big Ten in Indiana. But let's go over some scores from the weekend. Starting off in the college baseball showdown in Arlington, Texas, uh, all three of Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri went 2-1 and one against the Big 12 competition in TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas. And if you don't know, they played a round robin. The SEC schools all played three games against the Big 12 schools and vice versa. Uh, and all the SEC schools, like I said, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Missouri went 2-1 and one against the Big 12 competition. Texas going 0-3 for the week. Uh, Tennessee went out west to compete in the MLB Desert Invitational and left with a 1-2 and two record. They dropped their first two games to Arizona and Grand Canyon, two solid teams that should be playing postseason in baseball though if you don't if you didn't heard about grand canyon their shortstop's one of the top major league draft prospects not a bad squad they make regionals uh, but they finished off their trip with a win over uc san diego tennessee did on sunday auburn took two or three versus indiana winning the first two and lost the last one lsu looked as good as advertised swept michigan and looked as like i said looked as good as advertised mississippi state won two out of three over vmi and getting a series win in the sunday finale blowing the big the big lead on saturday though is uh, upsetting. We'll get into a little more observations. A little bit of disappointed in Mississippi State. Ole Miss, though, dominated Delaware, looking solid doing it at Swayze Field this weekend. A&M, Texas A&M, veteran team coming back, sweeping Seattle University. Uh, Florida, dominating on the hill and sweeping Charles, Charles, Charleston Southern. Florida, I mean, they're in the top three conversations for best pitching staff with Tennessee and LSU this year. Georgia took the series 2-1 to one over Jacksonville State. Kentucky, the only team that actually went on the road to someone else's house, Elon, be it, won two out of three after dropping the Friday night matchup. And finally, South Carolina looked very improved on the bump after sweeping UMass Lowell. Just some overall observations after week one. I think Tennessee's going to be fine. People are going to freak out. They're one and two right now, but they played a pretty good non-conference late this past weekend out west. Uh, also, like I said, Arizona and Grand Canyon, NCAA tournament teams. Tennessee was also missing shortstop Maui Ahuna. After being ruled ineligible right now, that's the Kansas shortstop that transferred in. He's supposed to be a good player. It's a very talented Tennessee team, though. It's still figuring out with a dominant pitching staff. Like all three starters, they're going to be fine. Give it time. LSU is advertised, like I said previously, as this mo- in this moment. My main question is how this team will deal with the pressures of not sweeping teams or the murmurs when they actually lose a game. The expectation of this team is like no other I've seen before. And as we know, baseball, you're going to lose games. I mean, your goal is in every series to go win two out of three. 
this is an all-time expectation on this LSU baseball program right now. This baseball team, I should say, not program. This specific team with the talent they had coming back and the transfer portal guys they brought in. There's too much talent. There's a lot of talent that's just sitting on the bench that can't play right now. They also have an embarrassment of riches from a pitching standpoint. Paul Skeen's the Friday night guy. Riley Cooper's returning, improved tremendously the Saturday guy, and Chase Shores. This is after projected Grant Taylor is out for the season with a UCL injury. And let this sink in. The UCLA transfer, Thatcher Hurd, is getting the midweek start this week against Southern University. That guy transferred from UCLA as a starter, and now it's just a midweek pitch for LSU. Embarrassment of riches. But the most impressive team to me this weekend, who I was hoping would just get a win, was Missouri. Went 2-1, and one, getting their big win last night in extra innings against probably the best team in the tournament was TCU. Big win for Missouri. That should give them a lot of confidence heading into the rest of non-conference play and SEC play. They looked real good on the hill at times and played a scrappy mentality. Like I said, I was hoping they just picking up one. They got two. So I think Missouri's kind of the team of the week coming out of nowhere, winning two out of three in the college baseball showcase in Arlington. Mississippi State on the other side, though, a little bit the most underwhelming team in a supposed back bounce-back year for Chris Lamonis and his Bulldogs. This is not an overreaction by any means, but the lack of quality starts this week is very concerning. That was a that was an issue coming into the season. VMI, Viltary, Vil, Virginia Military Institute, who Mississippi State played this weekend, picked up a lot of walks, stole a lot of bases this weekend. They stole 13 in total. I don't even think uh, Tanner gave that up last year behind the plate for Mississippi State. I, I don't think he did. Uh, but Auburn, moving to Auburn, Auburn's Joseph Gonzalez looked great on Friday, but the questions of who their true Saturday and Sunday starters are on the Hill remain the same. Uh, Ole Miss can't take a lot away from their te- Delaware series. They're just a lot better. I mean, look at they were playing a New England high school team. Re- Ole Miss still made solid contact. Even the routes were hit very hard. Ole Miss, you'll be able to tell a lot this upcoming weekend, though, uh, when they play when Maryland comes to town, who hosted a regional last year, and they're ranked 13th right now. Uh, Kentucky, like I said, the only team that went on the road, played a series, won two out of uh, three against Elon. Heads up for South Carolina, though. I like the pitching staff. I know they played UMass Lowell. Not a great hitting team, but it looks like a little more life in those arms this year. We'll see how it continues, though, with South Carolina. And speaking of sneaky pitching, Alabama could be in that category as well as they got three solid starts from Grayson Hitt. Uh, ben Hass and Jacob uh, McInary, or sorry, McNary. Projected Friday night guy Garrett McMillan is expected to be back, I think, after like a back sprain. So he'll be back this season, not long-term, but between Hit, Hess, and uh, McNary, they should be fine right now. Alabama should have some pitching depth this year, um, but they look solid against a sneaky Richmond squad, a veteran team that has some pretty good bats in that lineup. Pitching staff did good, but Florida, Florida will battle Tennessee and LSU for the best pitching staffs in the conference, in my opinion. No one has an overall better group that they throw out on the weekend than Brandon Sprout, Hurston Waldrop, and Jack Caglion. You're just not going to beat those guys like that. Sprout, Waldrop, and Caglion are all really good, really good players. Um, you're only, I think, LSU and Tennessee could rival that with Dolander, Beam, guys like that. Um, finally, Arkansas and Vandy both had good weekends out in the Showcase Challenge. Both went 2-1. and one. Looked about what I expected. Vandy looked like they got a little more pop out of their bat besides Enrique Bradfield Jr. They looked about what I thought. That was the goal. The SEC teams out in that Showcase Challenge should be really proud, especially Missouri helping carry the flag. All went 2-1. and one. Got the best of the Big 12 this past weekend. Long season, though. I think Arkansas answered some pitching depth issues. Uh, they had some other arms step up. Good over open, good overall opening week in the 2023 college baseball season. But this is probably the easiest most of these teams will have because you got to think everybody plays someone pretty good at a conference or two teams. Then you get the conference play and it's just 
murders row every week most of the time. I mean, most eight, nine out of your ten series are just you're playing a top 25 team, if not top 30, or at least a regional team um, most of the time. The latest D1 baseball rankings uh, as of Monday still has LSU number one. Tennessee dropped to number three after going one and two out west in the MLB Desert Invitational. Ole Miss at four, Texas A&M at five, Florida at seven, Arkansas at number nine, Vandy at number 10, Alabama number 20, and South Carolina at 23. They put nine teams in the SEC in the top 25, and that would put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 10 still. So same stat as last week, seven of the top 10. And remember, we got midweek action in baseball, so we're flipping over that. The midweek schedule starting on Tuesday. We got baseball starting tomorrow. For the, this is the Monday night. Monday is the only game day there's not SEC baseball. Yep, you heard me. Missouri goes and plays FIU in a four game set starting on Thursday. So let me preview the uh, the weekend or the week the week for you for uh, Thursday's episode. We'll preview the weekend there. But Southern plays LSU. Southern University Baton Rouge uh, base school. Uh, plays LSU on Tuesday at 2, 3 o'clock Central Time Zone. we got a lot of games. Tennessee Tech will be at Alabama. Uh, Evansville will be at Kentucky. Grambling will be at Arkansas. Winthrop at South Carolina at 3.30. Uh, Alabama A&M plays Tennessee. 4 o'clock, Arkansas State travels to Ole Miss. Uh, ULM will have a two-game set this week with Mississippi State starting on Tuesday at 4. 4.30 Central Arkansas travels to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, Central Standard Time Zone. we got Florida at Playing South Florida at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. We got Lamar at AM and then at 6 p.m. Central North Alabama at Auburn. That'll be Tuesday's uh, matchups. Wednesday, a little shorter menu here. We got UT Martin at Alabama at 3. Also at 3, we got ULM against Mississippi State to wrap up that midweek series. 3 o'clock, Queens at South Carolina. 3.30, Alabama at Tennessee. 4.30, UAB at Vanderbilt. 5 p.m. South Florida returns that trip to Florida. So that's a little interesting midweek matchup. Florida and South Florida get after it. Tuesday, they're in Tampa. Wednesday, they are in Gainesville. UAB, Vanderbilt, interesting matchup. UAB is always a pesky team, it feels like. Uh, Mississippi State needs to go take care of both those ULM games. Um, Alabama mixing it in with some of the mid-major Tennessee teams and UT Martin and Tennessee Tech. And like I mentioned, on Thursday, we got – Starting it off, Missouri starts a four-game set at 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time Zone. Missouri at FIU. You Remember, you can watch most of all these games on ESPN Plus if you haven't had it. Baseball season's coming up. I highly recommend it. You can watch most games, especially from the SEC, the SEC being an ESPN family network conference. You can see most of these games, especially when we get in a conference. They're all on TV. It should be fun. The weekend will be even funner. Um but I appreciate you joining us on this episode. I know it was a jam-packed episode. You sat tight with me. I hope you had just as much fun as I did doing this episode with you. We will see you on Thursday. You have a great rest of your week. Keep following us on Mach 10 Sports for the best information on SEC sports.